0: Good morning. Good morning. We've already had some great interaction. I mean, like egg mcmuffins muffins, how much better can it get than that? Uh, I did want to, I'll say this every week, just in case there's people here that haven't heard this, but our focus dinner is not a business meeting. So it's, I think it's one of the best things you could come to if you're new to Calvary, you're trying to find out what we're about, that's the, that's the dinner to come to. So uh, that's the focus dinner. Also, through the month of January, as we're doing this series, we've done this for a few years now, we're taking 2022 prayer requests, and they look like this, and I think they're, yeah, so you see them there. So that's for you to fill out a prayer request. You can put two in there. You can put four in there, however many you want. We'll take them through January, and then we're going to be praying over them as we did last year. In fact, we already started praying over the ones that we had, we got last week. So we'll be praying over them at our hour of prayer on Saturday mornings. I also send them out. So last year, we had about 350 prayer requests. Each one of them was prayed for individually 10 times. So it's just a, a fantastic way that we can come before the Lord in prayer. God is pleased when we pray. God's the one that made the thing up. He said he wants us to pray. And when we ask, we receive, we seek, we find, we knock, and we get direction. So please, put as many as you want in there. They will be prayed for often this coming year as they were last year and the years before that. So would you stand in Exodus and with your Bibles in Exodus chapter 16? I'm going to read... Now, am I, am I echoing? Yes. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. We'll try and fix that. Da, da, da. No. <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I thought it was my head, but it's, you're, it is echoing a little bit. Okay, so we're working on that, right there, Russ? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Russ. Give it up for Russ. He's... Okay, so Exodus 16, we're going to look at the chapter this morning. It's one story. I'm going to read just the first five verses, then we'll do a little uh, responsive reading from part of Psalm 105. So here we go. Exodus 16, verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Responsive reading. I'm going to read the even beginning of verse 26. There's 26 in the even verses, if you would follow together in the 27 and the odd verses. Here we go. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron, whom he had chosen. He sent sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. their 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 land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. The people asked, and he brought quail, and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations. The One more time, praise the Lord. Praise Lord, we thank you for your word. And you go over these things several times as you're seeking to minister truth to our hearts about this thing called redemption. Redemption where we are your people walking with you, seeking to know you, seeking to be obedient to you, seeking to have ears to hear what you're saying and then follow in obedience. And Lord, our desire is to be faithful and more and more faithful to do these things on a daily basis. So I'm praying, Lord, now that you would take the things I've prepared from your word, break them fresh, feed us, we are hungry. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that your word is is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. We know that it divides between the thoughts and intents of our heart. We need you, Lord. We need your light, the light of your word, to shine in our hearts that we might be walking in truth and and obediently. And, Lord, we're needed repenting. So grant this morning these things from the word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. So you can be seated. So for our study this morning, as usual, I'm going to read and give you some thoughts as we examine Another amazing narrative from God's word. Then I will conclude by reading from the best commentary I've ever read in understanding, applying, and receiving the eternal truths that are packed into this history, this epic story. So here's a simple outline. God present to receive. And this is an interesting uh, thing that happened as I was studying because this really came up in my mind as far as we need to be receiving from the Lord. He is the initiator, we are the responders. And God is wanting to give to us everything we need for life and godliness. So God is present to receive. Last study we looked at God is present to heal. God is present to receive. So receive from God with trusting appreciation. Receive from God with thankful appreciation. Receive from God with generous appreciation. And here's the whole bottom line of the whole story receive from God saving appreciation for Jesus. And God is going to point us to the Lord this morning as we need to. Jesus said in the volume of the book, it's written of me. So when we read the Bible, God's pointing us to the Son of God, pointing us to the Son of God. Are you not thankful for that? So uh, in chapter, as we just read, those first uh, four verses, three verses, only one month had passed. So this has not been a long time. And they're saying, we used to have bread in Egypt, and so they start complaining, saying to Moses, you brought us out here to starve us to death in the wilderness. So the Lord responds to the complaining of the people. And here's what he says, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will reign from heaven, bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Now, here's what struck me as I was reading this and studying. I wonder, in this particular circumstance, it's happening one month later, early on, I wonder if we kind of feel into this narrative a sensing of the anger of God. Is that what's going on here? Now, the time does come. When God is angry at their continual murmuring, the time comes when God does deal with them severely because they should have learned by now. That's why it's around the mountain for 40, 40 years. Their carnality and their complaining, it's as though God was saying, enough. This needs to stop. And we know those times in our lives when we realize, you know, what's that repeated? And God's saying to us, I've dealt with you and I'm dealing with you. But the time has come when enough is enough. Let's grow up. And that happens. But here, early on, God says this to the response to their complaining I'm going to rain bread from heaven. I am going to provide for them. I'm going to give to them to test them. And so I look at this now as God gently putting him into this weather test. <laughs> you ever test the weather? They say, whether they will, what's going to happen when I provide for them? Because I'm the one that must provide for them. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond? Psalm 18, 35, I love this passage. It's David saying, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Are you not thankful for the gentleness of God in your life? And there are those times with our own children that we realize they're children. And so we're seeking to see them grow up. And there are times when it's not time yet for a severity, but rather these are moments where we want to be gentle with them to get so that in their hearts they begin to consider the things that are going on in their lives. In Isaiah 40, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. God is gentle. Jesus said that himself in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn it, for I am gentle. Jesus is gentle. He says, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, to rest And God's care for us is so important. He is the shepherd. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And then there are several passages that I I have in my notes here up on the screen. But all the way along, what God's communicating to us as the church is be gentle with one another. He says in Galatians, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. How do you want to be dealt with? When we're in relationship, this gentleness of God should be manifested even in these someone overtaken in the trespass. Ephesians, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Be gentle. Be gentle. As God has been gentle to us, as we're receiving from him in the gentleness of his heart, God's saying, now you be gentle. Paul wrote to Philippians and said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord's at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now a lot of times you think, Lord, you better get right with God. God's saying, be gentle. Let your gentleness be known. Second Timothy, this is a great one. Particularly in the times in which we're living right now. Paul said, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate what? Strife. And the servant Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. You know, God is saying, you be gentle and let that gentleness begin to move them in the direction of repentance. James says, this is another key passage in my mind for the times in which we live. We need the wisdom of, that's from above. What does that look like? It's, for, it's first pure, then peaceable, will, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercies and good fruits. And it's sown in peace by those who make peace. There's a process that goes on as God is dealing in people's lives and our lives. And God's saying, you be gentle. I'm gentle. And so the gentleness of God in walking with him, the people are complaining, Moses, for you did this. And God said, this is what I'm gonna do for you. And he just starts laying it out. In fact, I note this repeated word for in this passage. Fifteen times. Here's the lineup. For he hears you, what? Four times. Complaining, complaining, (laughs) complaining. And what do you do? He rains manna from heaven. For they did not know. What is it? What is it? It's manna from heaven. God's provision. For each person, manna. For those who are in in his tent manna for each one manna for yourselves manna for the lord has given you manna what for your rest the sabbath day god's provided he's answering the these complaining hearts for you and then he says in verses 32 and 33 for your generations to remember the manna in this case to remember the lord And so God is for us, not against us. The Lord will rain down from heaven. That means plentiful supply. Now, do you guys know anything about rain? (laughs) Do you like the plentiful supply in the Northwest? He says there's a quota, a certain quota every day. What is it? One omer. And then on the sixth day, two, to to be prepared on the sixth day for the seventh day of rest. And so, one, an omer, you got you to get this. This is fantastic. An omer is six pints, which means there were 12 million pints. That's conservatively speaking if there were 2 million people. 9 million pounds, 4,500 tons, which would be 10 trains, each having 30 cars, each having 15 tons, and all this for a single day's provision. Line up the trains. So, you know, it makes feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes like nothing. (laughs) Sorry, Jesus. (laughs) So each morning they gather enough for just the day. In other words, they were not to keep it for the next day. In other words, there's no pantry in their kitchen. But also, the sixth morning, they gather enough for two days. So they're, but they're not to cook it on the Sabbath. They're to cook, prepare it, boil it, cook it, and then it's ready for the Sabbath. That's the deal. So, their response then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, this is verse six At evening, you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. You're going to know it because he's going to provide for you, he's going to take care of you. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaining against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the morning and in the, morning, in the evening and the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? And, our, and your complaints are not against us, but against God. See their murmurings. Moses and Aaron are pointing out, you know, we can't do anything about it, but God can. And God will. So you're complaining against God. So note this. They're going to see the glory of God when they see the provision that he gives to them. Now, do we see the glory of God in just daily, everyday provision? Because we are stacked in pantry and stovetops. Most of us. So Moses and Aaron said, what are we? So here's, here's the beginning thought. Receive from God with trusting appreciation. Trust God, but receive with an appreciation on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you're doing that. And we, we need, I think we need to re-up the appreciation and we're gonna trust God. He's gonna continue to do it and he will. That's how God is. Then Moses, verse nine, spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord. And I think the emphasis here, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. This personal relationship that God provided for them, by taking them out of Egypt, redeeming them as his people to himself, taking them through the Red Sea. Now on the other side of that, all the past gone. And there they are with him now in the wilderness. They're going, Moses, you're going to starve us. And Moses say, no, no, no. God's going to show you that he's the Lord, your God. He's your God. And so it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. Now, we have DoorDash and Uber Eats. But there's nothing new. Here's God delivering them. And I would, maybe the business were flying feasts and hail quail. Here's God bringing in the quail. Bringing in the quail. <laughs> now, this phenomenon happens to the present day. These quail migrate regularly between Europe and, and Arabia across the Sinai Peninsula. They are small bullet-headed birds with a strong but low flight. And when they finally arrive, they're exhausted. So just go and get them. And we read this in, in also in Numbers, where they're batting them out of the air because they're low flying, they're tired and exhausted. They couldn't get above the tents. So as they're flying, knock them to the ground. They're all yours. Interesting way that God provided, isn't it? I mean, us boys would love it. Get the baseball out, man. We're gonna have a few. Uh, we're gonna have. <laughs> In the morning, the manna appeared. So, this bread from heaven, verse 14, and the layer of dew lifted there on the so- surface of the wilderness was a small, round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So, when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? That's manna. What is it? That's what it means. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. God providing miraculously. In verse 31, the house of Israel called his name manna and it was like white coriander seed and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So it sounds pretty tasty. This round, flaky, white substance. Now, it had to have tremendous nutritional value because God fed them for 40 years and their feet didn't swell, which speaks when the foot swells, maybe some of you doctors out here, when the foot swells, it can be a very good indicator of a bad diet. As are diseases, many things can be indicators. there's something wrong in the body that's not being taken care of nutritionally. Well, this manna sustained them for 40 years and it was stopped when they get into the promised land. And so this small flaky substance and the people gather it, verse 16, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded, let every man gather it according to each one's need and one omer for each person according to the number of persons let every man take for those who are in his tent, his family. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no no lack. Every man had gathered according to one's needs. Now, there are two possibilities as far as what the Hebrew text could be indicating here. And it's interesting. The one possibility is that there's something miraculous going on here. As they gather it. So they gather more than the omer, but all they could measure out was an omer. Or they gather less than an omer, but they would still pour out an omer. The, the question is, have they gone out to gather? That's one possibility. The second possibility is that is this, that in measuring out their omer, they had more than omer, they would take the extra and go give it to someone who didn't have an omer yet. So it has this idea of the principle that God puts out in giving, that in our abundance, we can fill the need for someone who lacks. Now, Paul takes this verse and uses it in application in this very, uh, in this truth, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And if in this, I give advice, it is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desired to do a year ago, that is to give, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness and to desire to, it, so there also may be a completeness of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, this is an important principle, if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what what he does not have. So God's not asking us to give what we don't have. Now here's what he says, but by an equality that now at this time, right now Paul's saying a year later, this time, your abundance may supply their lack that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there be an equality. As it is written, Exodus, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. The principle in this whole appreciating God and thankfulness in appreciating God and trusting God is that in our abundance, we can meet the need of those who lack. But here's the tougher one for us. In our lack, Someone else can meet our need as needed. And that always is. So God graciously provides for everyone. For everyone. He will provide. But often the conduit of that supply is us. And so this command of God was something that was very doable. Go out and gather it measure it out. And I'm going to provide for everyone. He provided through their gathering. So there was something they had to do. They had to go get it. Go out in, with your Omer pans and measure it out and then bring it back to your family. So he again is teaching very simple truth. God will take care of our daily needs. And we need to be trusting him for that and thanking him for that. The appreciation. Now we have a difficult time trusting God for our daily needs in this way. For some of us The test is, is he going to come through today? It's a day-to-day deal. Psalm 37, the psalmist wrote, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. God will take care of you. God will provide for you. But I would venture that I'm right when I say most of us, the test is appreciating the abundance of God's provision. How do we do that? By being generous. With other people. Generosity is God's heart. So, what I have, do I think about that? Appreciate His abundance by being generous with what God has given to me. The overflow, being in His command. Receive from God with generous appreciation. Now, this does not mean that we get we are to get rid of everything except what we need for that day. Let me give you an example that spoke to me many years ago. There's a brother named Michael, I'll use V, his his initial, who I met at the Lord's house when I was on staff there. At that time in his life, Michael's life, he was separated geographically from his wife, soon to be reunited. They had no children. Michael was a welder. He made good money. Each pay period at the Lord's house, he would sit down and figure out how much money he needed to send to his wife, how much he needed for gas, buy food, and then he gave the rest of it to the ministry of the Lord's house. And I'm going to tell you, it so impressed me, I'll never forget it. He would sit down and actually do that. We'd all go to the Lord's house. Now, when I was in the Lord's house, I worked... And my whole paycheck went to... I was a carpenter. My whole paycheck went to the house. And I got $2 a week for allowance. But that was to take care of everyone who lived there. I didn't think much of it. It was a tremendous five years of seminary. So, as another example. Just a while ago again, I was talking to Pastor Mick Ewing, who at the time was the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Juneau, Alaska. They were heavily involved in church planting work in Russia. I was wondering how he was able to afford so many trips to Russia. They were going there all the time. He told me that he was at a conference a couple of years earlier. And at that time, he and his wife were in the process of researching IRAs, retirement funds, and all of that. As he was sitting at this conference, the Lord spoke to his heart and asked him a question. How come you are so willing to make investments in your kingdom but not willing to make investments in my kingdom. Mick was so stirred. He went home, talked to his wife, and together they agreed to take the money that they had been saving and invest it in the work in Russia. Now, lest you misunderstand what I'm saying, I am not advocating we all go out and close our savings accounts, forget about retirement, and go on missionary trips. I'm not saying that. However, I do think I know so in my own life that we need to take a good hard look at what we are doing with our earthly abundance. Are we investing in God's kingdom or is our kingdom the main priority and God's is second, fifth, or not at all? It's a searching question, is it not? Are we exchanging them for heavenly riches? Or are we holding on to them for temporal wants and thereby losing any eternal values that were there for us? Jesus put it this way. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in. Then he said this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He did not say where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. It's where your treasure is. So what is my heart doing concerning my treasures? God said, and this is what we go through this every year at our focus dinner, so this is a little bit of a pre-focus dinner, but God said, his beginning line is 10%. a tithe of all of our increase is given back to him for him to do as he would. So we're going to trust him. We're going to thank him. We're going to do the minimum. Bottom line for God. God said to not trust him with this. We're actually robbing him. Malachi Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And notice this, and test me. Try me. God's saying that to us. Try me. See if what I'm saying is true. Try me says the Lord of Hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out so great a blessing that you can't even contain it. There's not room enough for it. Now that's not saying if you give a hundred, you're going to get five hundred back. And there's teaching like that. No. You're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings and blessings and blessings. God blesses this whole idea of trusting and thanking him with just bare the ten percent of the hundred percent that he gives to us. How do you look at that? I will tell you, growing up in, my, in our house, my mom and dad were uh, Christians. And, we, and I got baptized at 10. And once I got baptized, I got this little box of envelopes. And on the envelopes was the date of every Sunday. And every Sunday, I was to put my tithe in there and bring it to church. Well, my mom and dad would give me a quarter. I can't remember what it was. And I put it in there. And I learned that. But then I walked away from the Lord. And I found out during that time that my mom and dad were giving to the church like, I know it's more than it's high. I'm thinking, what are you, crazy? And I'm just adding up the numbers. I'm, my carnal mind thinking, that, that seems crazy. It wasn't crazy at all. My mom and dad were provided for. Not, not this mansion, but God provided for them and they were faithful to do that. But I thought of it as this thing that's crazy. It's not crazy when God says, try me. See if I'll open the window of heaven, pour out so great a blessing, you won't be able to contain it. And the way that God blesses through these things, I have no idea of the scope of it, but I know it's real. It's true. It's just like God blessing obedience in other areas of our lives. We may not say, well, you know, I'm getting married in three months. So what's the, what's the, wh- why, what's the big deal if we have sex? now, we're going to have sex when we get married in three months. I say, hold on a second. That's not what God said. I can't tell you that you'll be able to say, Well, I had sex and then this is what happened, but something is taken away when we're not obedient to God's commands through which He wants to bless our lives. Something's lost. We may not be able to put it down on a list, but something is lost because God knows what He's talking about. He knows how to bless us. We will never outgive God because God gives us all things to enjoy. And so, I could go on this, and I, I think I will, just to, for my sake and for us, to think this thing through a little harder. Because lest we get comfortable with the minimum, 10%, Jesus had a startling moment with his disciples. In Mark 12, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Now it doesn't say how much, it says how. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants, like a pittance, like nothing. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assured I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have begun, who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, put in how much? All that she had, her whole livelihood. Does that convict you? See, how God sees these things is far different than how we put value. God's looking at how it's done. And the person that's doing that, the measure is not how much, but in what I keep for myself. And Paul said that, it's according to what we have, not what we don't have. One more note and I'll move on because I want to communicate. For the record, Calvary Chapel South, if you come any time, we do not emphasize money. We want to emphasize stewardship. And we, ho- we have a class financial piece that we, we've done regularly just to help us all with our finances and how we manage money and how God's principles apply to how we live our lives and our money. So we hold to the, this premise where God guides, God provides. Where God guides, God provides. And so, in, in that he does and he has. I'll tell you for the church, when COVID hit, we really didn't know what was going to happen financially with the church. Now, this is a spoiler, for this <laughs> focused dinner. I want to tell you, that God has pre- provided beyond our wildest prayers. Our fellowship here. I thank God from whom all blessings flow. But I also will say I thank God for you. Who have been the conduit for the blessings of God financially for our fellowship. I do not know nor do I want to know who gives what. It's between you and God and a few who manage our finances. Those who are doing that, manager of finances, I want to tell you, are a proven character who I trust completely. People that have proven themselves able to handle that knowledge. And what does that mean, handle the knowledge? It's simply this. You're not talking about it with anybody else. What you know is between them and God, and you know how to manage it, but you're not talking about that with anybody else. And so, your giving is between you and God. But I want to challenge you, whatever it is this morning, as myself. Let's assess that this year. How are we doing with the things God has provided? We're trusting him. We're thankful. But God says, be generous. And generously appreciating. God graciously provided for their rest. They gathered twice as much. He's saying, just receive a day from me rest. Receive the daily provision and rest. And so they baked and they boiled and they rested from their toil. That's my little song. (laughs) They baked and they boiled and they rested from their toil. Which reminded me, how many of you know Keith Green, so you want to go back to Egypt album? You're old. He says, on manna waffles, manna burgers, manna bagels, fillet of manna, manna patty, manna bread. And in the morning, it's manna hotcakes. We snack on manna all day, and we sure had a winner last night for dinner, flaming manna souffle. Well, we once complained for something new to munch. The ground opened up and had some of us for lunch. <laughs> That's number 16. God got to the point where this is, you better stop. This is severe. So, verse 27, how are we doing? Verse 27, it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. God said, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if he used a high voice like that, but, <laughs> and, and the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments? How long until you trust me? How long until you're thankful? How long until you're going to say, okay, God's going to provide and I'm going to do it his way, not mine. So they're traveling out there for nothing. For for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given you these things. He's testing you by providing, by giving to you. In the sixth day, take a rest. You don't have to go out and labor. I'll provide for you for two. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day so that people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel called his name manna. What is it? And it was like white coriander, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. This is the first mention, by the way, of Sabbath in the Bible. But it's, it's based not on the law that will, be, will come, but based on creation, where God rested. God designed into our lives, now I'm not very good at this, I'll be honest with you, but he's designed into each one of our lives for our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual stability and health, take a day off and honor God. I won't ask for a raise of hands. How many of you do that? Now, so then he says, hey, remember. He wants them to remember this. Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now this artifact went into the ark, along with the tablets of stone, along with Aaron's rod that budded. This was one of them. So I'm looking forward because in Re- look at this Revelation passage. The seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God, of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Verse 19, then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. I don't know what that means or how that's going to look. like, But in that, God had them. Now some would say, well, it was on the side of it. Whatever it is, this, this whole uh, reminder was to be laid up before them in the ark which was central to the temple that God provides. God took care of you. But I want to conclude with this this final one, and that is that we appreciate the saving appreciation for Jesus because this story was used by Jesus, and that's the commentary. The author is John, and the chapter is 6. I want to just run through that in closing. We'll pray, and we'll thank the Lord for His word today. So Jesus just fed 5,000, walked on water, and then was found by the crowds again, whom he fed, the 5,000. So we read in John chapter 6, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered. So they're asked, when did you come here? But Jesus knows what's going on in their minds and hearts, as he does all of us. Most assured, I say to you, you seek me. You're trying to find me. Because you saw the signs, but because you, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Their whole focus was physical, filling their bellies, their earthly appetites. And they had just seen a miracle, didn't even register. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Now, Jesus has the authority to say that because all that he's done, they saw it. So, Jesus said, don't labor for the food that perishes, but for that which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. He's approved him. He's uh, acknowledged that he is the Son of God, my Son, whom i well pleased. So why were they seeking Jesus? For the loaves of bread to have their bellies filled. Ecclesiastes 6-7 is a timely passage. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. A telling verse from even our last study. So why were they seeking him? What they should be seeking instead is what lasts to everlasting life. So the question, what are you seeking first in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? What are the passions that drive your life? You see, many people spend their lives pursuing material things. Money, houses, cars. Many people spend their lives pursuing fame and power. To be seen by men as great. Many people spend their lives pursuing this thrill and the next one. But all these things are temporal. They will not last. Listen, what will last is you, your soul. That's what's going to last. Your car won't, your job won't, your houses won't, your party won't, your drugs won't, your affair won't. They will all one day be over, done, gone. The only thing that will be left is you with God. Then what will you do? Have you prepared for that? Are you preparing for that? One day you'll look back and maybe you already have or already are and realize you ignored the most important thing in your life and that is you ignored God and you ignored your relationship with God. The sands of time slip quickly through the hourglass of a lifetime. In a blink of an eye, we looked back what, what happened to those 60, 50? What happened to those years? Here's the deal. There are no redos. But there's a, a redemption that can put it all behind and start this life with God. And how many years ago was that for you? Is the passion growing for God? Is the understanding that my life is in his hands and he's put in my hands in abundance, is it my understanding that what am I doing with those things? That has to be reevaluated? I believe, daily. How am I gonna live today in my relationship with God? Life is too precious to let it slip by. It's a vapor that's here and gone. It's too short to waste on frivolous things that don't matter. So my heart to God, search my heart Know these things. See if there's any wicked ways and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, take hold of my heart even today as I'm hearing the word or teaching the word. Give, get hold of my heart that I'm living my life in appreciation, trusting you and thanking you and being generous with what you've given me. But most of all, centered to all of that is that I am appreciating the salvation that's mine because I know Jesus. And I love Jesus. Jesus. And I want to walk with Jesus. And that is an endeavor that's worth every nook and cranny of my energies to stay walking with him. The tests that come, am I going to stay walking with him? The energy I'm, I'm exerting is it to walk with him and by him and with him and be careful when you ask yourself, what do I spend my time on? Be careful because that's not an easy thing to assess sometimes. Is Jesus really numero uno? Is he really number one? Is he really the passion and drive of my life? I might think one thing, but reality is, as the Holy Spirit searches my heart, even in this study, there are things that continue to be brought to God and say, I'm thankful. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna be generous in my life in living like you want me to. And I'm gonna thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Save me." And that's what Jesus said. This is the work of God, that you believe in him. That's what God's looking for. That's the obedience. Believe in him. Put your trust in him. Adhere to him. Rely on him. After the Wednesday study, someone came up to me and said, you know that word abide? What does that word abide mean? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You You'll ask what you shall be done. The word abide just says, stay at it. (laughs) Hang in there. Remain with Christ. And so Jesus said, our fathers ate man in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, Most sure I say to you, this is John six thirty. Most sure I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us bread always. I mean, when you hear that, it's so inviting. So the work of God is that we believe him, believe in Jesus. He is God's provision. He is the true bread. He is the bread from heaven. He is the bread of life, Jesus is. So how do we do that? Come to Jesus. For everything you need, come to Jesus. You know, he said the bread of life, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Come to Jesus today, this morning. Secondly, partake of Jesus in, in relationship with him. Eat his flesh, drink his blood, which Jesus is pointing to as spiritual truth that through the cross of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, we have life and life more abundantly. And Jesus points that in the same passage. The bread of life, unless you eat my, my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. Life comes through what Jesus accomplished. So can, he is God's for provision for our forgiveness from the from Eternity past or eternity future. Jesus is the one. I love what Ruth Graham Bell wrote in sitting by my laughing fire. She, she writes this: This is my body broken like bread for you. This is my blood like water shed for you. Drink it and wonder, marvel and eat. God torn asunder, man made complete. Stagger the mind at truth here revealed. Kneel and be broken. Rise and be healed. Jesus, the cross, the provision he made for us there that we must consume, we must take a part in. And then John chapter 6, 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is hard of a saying. Who can understand? They, they can't grasp what he's saying. What he's saying is, you can have a relationship with God through me, who is the provision for your very life, not only here, but for all eternity. And so they couldn't understand that. And Jesus knew in himself, the disciples complained about this, complaining even in this story. He said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Judas, one of them. The opportunity is there to partake of Christ. To have relationship with God through the forgiveness on the cross. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Classic verse. But Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Have you found that to be true? We need to find it every day. That's true. Where are we going to go? It's Jesus. And so he hears you. And he sent Jesus. You didn't know at some point in your life what it was, but you found out it's Jesus. And for each person, it's Jesus. For those who are in his in their tents, it's Jesus. For each one, it's Jesus. For yourselves, it's Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is what's pictured in this story in Exodus. And the Lord has given. Us, Jesus, for our rest. And so the whole idea, receive Jesus with trusting appreciation daily and rest. Are you resting the Lord this morning? All that we've just listened to, all that we've just heard, some of it sort of cranking the engine a little bit here or there and there. But listen, our rest is in Christ, our thankfulness is in Christ to enjoy him daily and rest in him. Our generosity is because of Christ's generosity. He who is rich for your sake is being poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This saving faith in Jesus Christ is everything. So stand with me and let's let's, uh, pray together as the worship team comes out. Father, I thank you for this passage and these things this morning minister to my heart challenging me and I hope Lord I pray just that as I've done the best I can that you would be ministering to each one of us who knows you and walks with you these truths that we need you to appreciate you and trust you and thank you so help us Lord and we also pray for those who are listening in here listening online will listen they who do not know you. Lord, it's by your Holy Spirit drawing them. You said, no one come to you unless the Father draw. So draw them, I pray, through these truths that they're hearing to a place where they understand you are the bread that came down from heaven. Provision for us from heaven. That you are the provision for our sin on the cross. That you are the provision for our life in the resurrection. please, Holy Spirit, move among those who do not yet know. Convict them of their need for you in Jesus' name. And now, bless, Lord, as we just lift our voices to you in worship. I pray you take in some of this that we've heard today. Would draw us again back to you for who you are and what you want to do in our lives, please. Let's sing.